church, we come to worship and glorify God. I mean, that is why we come to church, to bring Him glory. And so when we do anything for this, let's say, hour and 15, 20 minutes, when we talk, just talk, you know, to one another. Uh, when we, you know, when we, when we write a note, when we look at our phones, when we, there's all kinds of distractions, and when we do that for this once a week time, every week, I guarantee you we're not, we're not able to think. We're not able really to focus in and, and connect our minds to the truth. And when we can do that, it changes the way that we, it changes the way that we conduct ourselves in, in, in church. It really does. And I think over the next message or two, you're going to see how that looks in Scripture. And, and I pray that God will begin to reveal things to us together because that's really what this is. It's a learning process. And we're teaching these truths. That's what we're doing. I'm not so much preaching these messages as I am teaching them uh, because I believe that's what, where our church is. Now, you know, in two weeks we'll have an Easter service and we'll focus on preaching the resurrection. And, you know, we'll, it'll be an entirely different message. I know that. And it'll be for lost folks and, and those who are, uh, you know, don't know the gospel, maybe aren't really, don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It'll be kind of a different setting. But at this time in our church, even though we have guests in both our services, I really feel like this is just kind of where we're at as a church family. It's, it's a time of learning. It's a time of adjustment. It's a time of really looking at the scriptures and determining, hey, this is what we want to, what to do. We, we, we want God's glory to be revealed in our services every single week. And so just to quickly review what we touched on to bring you up to speed uh, as to where we're at in our, in our notes... Here are a few of the statements that we made two weeks ago. I know last week Brother Carney was here, so we took a, another a little uh, break from the series. But this is where we were two weeks ago. Worship or adoration is the most powerful expression a human being is capable of. Worship or adoration, the most powerful expression a human being is capable of. Worship literally means to fall or to lie face down before someone on the ground. When you worship, you are saying, this is worth more and I am worth less. Worship is the magnification of God and the minimization of self. Jesus deserves our most passionate worship. We're going to worship something. We're going to get excited about something or some things. But Jesus deserves our most passionate worship. And in light of that fact, anything that you get more excited about than Jesus Christ is a problem. Anything. And so let that one kind of, again, sink in so we can get right back into the message here. John 4, 24 talked about worshiping him in spirit and in truth. All right? Truth being a head thing. But listen, worship, worshiping Jesus is more than just a head thing. It's more than just a theology It's more than just a a, a knowledge of the scriptures because there's a whole lot of scriptures we know and we don't practice. So worship is more than than a head thing. God doesn't want us to just think great thoughts about him. God wants us to be moved in our hearts about what we are saying or what we are singing. And so these are some of the thoughts we we said a couple of weeks ago and that brings us to this place. Again, our theme verse is Isaiah chapter 64, verse 1, 
where Isaiah prayed, Oh, that thou wouldest rend or open the heavens, that thou wouldest come down. And again, reminding you that the coming down is where is the, is the idea of the glory coming down, God's glory. In other words, a manifestation of his presence in the church service. And we're focusing on the church service. We really are. That's kind of where, now, that doesn't mean and, you know, that, that there's not a whole lot of other places we can worship. But what we're focusing on as a congregation happens to be, for our, for this time in our church life, is what does it look like on Sundays when, when this is kind of the hub. This is where we bring people. This is where we invite guests. And this is where we come together once a week to, uh, to experience as a family God's presence. He says here that you would come down so, in such a mighty way, that it would be as if the, the mountains were flowing down at thy feet. And that's what the scripture says. In other words, something radical takes place. Something unusual. Something that really gets the attention of everybody in the service. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just awesome. It's, it's phenomenal. It's, it's incredible. God is awesome. And if God is somewhere, then something is going to happen. And God is here. And so why doesn't something happen? And why do we sometimes uh, not, not experience that? It, it has everything to do with these elements we're talking about. Preaching, worship, and there's two more we're going to talk about in the upcoming weeks. So let's get into the message here. Mark chapter 12 and verse 30 is what we're going to be at uh, in just a little bit. But let's not, let's not start there. Let's start with this idea that there's some things that make worship powerful. Those were, those were some notes I had in the last message I didn't finish. And so let's just kind of get into the message here and grow in our adoration of God's Son. It's a growth process. God help us to grow. Number one, worship brings worship. When we worship, we bring the manifest presence of God. In other words, when we worship, we worship so that God might show up in a powerful way, in a real powerful way. Now, think about that word manifest. Yes, God is everywhere. I agree. I I know he is omniscient. He is everywhere. Yes, we are constantly, if we are saved, if we are saved, we are constantly abiding in his presence. Yes, I agree. But in another sense, God is here. God is felt. God is experienced. And he is moving and ministering to the people in this church every Sunday morning. He is, or is he? But that's what we want. That's our prayer. That's what we're preaching this sermon series about. That's why we can't seem to get finished with this idea of what worship is. Maybe God already knows we need it for three weeks, you know. God probably knew that. And so said, Eric, you're not going to get through this message the first time or the second time because the people need to get it, you see. They need to get it. And I'm praying that we'll all really learn from this. Psalm 27 verse 4 uh, says this, that one thing have I desired of the Lord. I love this. One thing, one thing, one thing. This is the one thing I desire. Is this what you desire? This one thing is, and, and this will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Why? Why do I want to be in the house of God? Because I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. I want to see God's beauty, His glory. I want to experience something uh, that, 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 is, that is likened unto the mountains flowing down at God's feet, you know. Something, something powerful. It's the manifest presence of God that we long for in this church. And that's one of the powerful things that, that worship produces. It produces the manifest 
presence of Christ. Think about that. Pray about understanding that. Uh, really, really ask yourself this evening, God, what does that mean? And, and teach me what that means and help me to desire that. Because only through worship does that happen, you know. Does the glory come down? Number two, write this down. Worship brings salvation. Worship brings salvation. It produces that. It, it brings about a change in the life of people who are unsaved who come to the worship service. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Pay attention to these verses and think about these with me. First of all, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 14, verse 25, it says, But if all prophesy. Now think about that for just a moment. If all prophesy. What does that mean? Well, prophesy meaning uh, speaking of the word of God. If all speak the word of God. If all uh, share, preach, teach the word of God. We'll also put there, if all sing. If we all sing and we all preach Uh, the Word of God, together as a congregation. We come ready, all of us, every one of us come to preach, to sing, to learn about God. If all prophesy, and there come one in that believeth not. So here we are in church, we're prophesying, we're preaching, we're teaching God's Word, we're worshiping God, and somebody comes in tonight, this morning. Somebody's come in. And they're unlearned. They don't believe or one unlearned. So here is someone that comes that they're not used to this. They're not a believer. They're not a follower of Jesus Christ. But they came this morning. They came tonight. They're here. This is what we long for. This is what we want to happen all the time. So someone comes into the service and all of us are prophesying. We're all worshiping God. Listen to this. He is convinced of all he is judged of all he's convinced of all he says i don't have that there is something i long for there is something different about this place maybe that's why the dude came this morning and called five of his relatives this afternoon and said listen i'm glad i didn't go to the church i was looking for i i I saw something i experienced something i had never experienced before that's something that we need to pray that god would do every week that those who come in unsaved unlearned they don't know they they don't believe but they're convinced i love it when god does that i love it when god does that now look at the next verse and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest so here's this person who comes to church he experiences god he sees this god that he's heard about And he sees all of us worshiping and prophesying. And the secrets of his heart are made manifest. And so here's what he does. He falls down on his face. And he worships God. And reports that God is in you of a truth. That's revival. That's turning the world upside down. I mean, if our church can, can, can move in that direction, what happens is, and that's how revival takes place. And I'll share that in my next sermon. I would have got to that if I could have had time. But that's how revival takes place, is people come to church and they experience something. They see something in our lives, because we truly are the only Jesus they'll ever see. And if they come to church and say, wow, this is unusual, this is unreal. God is real. God is powerful. I feel his presence And all of a sudden, they fall down and say, I want this, God. I want this. I want to be a part of this. I love that. Worship brings salvation. 
And every week, what we have in Christ is on display. It's on display. That's why oftentimes when we have worship practice, we say to our worshipers, our worship team, or whatever you want to call it, we say, look, you're on display. You're up here on the platform. We're not entertaining. We're, we're on display for the world to see. For pe- we're, not, we're not here to impress anybody. We're here to worship God. Let's do that. L- let's think about what we're singing. Let's not be afraid to express ourselves. We want God to show up every week. We're not trying necessarily to make people happy. The goal is not, you know, okay, how can we make everybody happy and comfortable in the church? No, the goal is for the glory of God to come down and make a difference in their lives. Worship brings salvation. Thirdly, worship brings victory. It brings victory. That's what it brings. It brings victory. You get together in God's house and worship God, and I'm going to tell you, things happen. I mean, victory takes place. People begin to sense, you know what? I'm on the winning side. God's in control. It's going to be all right. I'm going through some stuff, but God's going to get, God's going to overcome, you know? And so we think about 2 Chronicles chapter number 20. The nation of Israel is in trouble. And they're going through some really bad times. And, and they're, they're, in, they're in a situation where Am, Ammon and, and Moab and Seir and other countries are, are, are trying to destroy them. And so here's what God does. Read it for yourself. There's a lot more to this than just one verse. But God calls together a praise and worship team. God does. See, I didn't make up this praise and worship thing, you know. God did. And God says, okay, get the praise and worship team together, and y'all, y'all just praise and worship for a while. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. There's an Old Testament illustration of how a group of people got together and praised God, and God said, hey, we're going to take care of the enemy as a result of praise and worship. All that to say, I already know this, morning, this evening that there are people who are in this place that have significant burdens in your life. I know that. I, I, you know how I know that? Because I have them. And I figure if you're anything like me, which you probably are, we're probably a lot more uh, common, alike than you think we are. You might be thinking, well, you're the pastor, so you don't have any problems, right? I probably have more than you do. <laughs> truth, truth be known. We've got burdens. We've got struggles things we go through, financial needs, uh, children that are struggling, maybe a prodigal child, maybe a husband that's not leading your family, maybe somebody here struggling with a sin in their lives that they just can't seem to shake, maybe a profound loss in your family recently that you've experienced and you need a breakthrough. Can I tell you what worship brings? It brings victory. It brings victory. God begins to work in your life in such a way that you, you realize that he is mighty to save and, and I am going to be okay and Christ is the cornerstone and, and he is overcome and that's what happens when I worship God. I mean, it just gets so thick and so real and you see how big God is and guess what begins to happen? Your problems don't look all that big. It's like I serve such a big, awesome, mighty, powerful God and I'm singing about him and I hear everybody else singing and I begin to realize... God is going to take care of my problems. It brings victory. That's what worship brings. And then fourthly, worship brings healing. It brings healing. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse number 14. says, heal me, O Lord. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. For thou art my praise. I love that. You see, if you begin to worship God in the midst of your 
suffering. You ever noticed how people will do that? They'll worship God in the midst of their suffering. You, you walk into a room of a man who is, or a woman who is dying and they are saved and it is a totally different experience than someone who is lost. Gathering around the bed of someone who doesn't know Christ and family who does not know the peace of God. Can I tell you, I've had some of the greatest worship services in the hospital of people who have been on their deathbed. And God is taking them home. He's healing them. No more sorrow, no more sickness. You do know that's what heaven is, right? It's healing. That's what it is. (laughs) I mean, we like for God to heal people here. That's cool because they get to live a little bit longer and then die. That's cool. That's cool. I, I'm all for living a little bit longer. I, I'd like to do that too. But when God doesn't let somebody live longer here, it doesn't mean he doesn't heal them. It means it's the ultimate healing. And so what happens is you're in that room. The, 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 not, 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 uh, well, just like three weeks ago, I was, uh, I was, I was driving to uh, a home. And the reason I was rushing over there, I told my pastor, look, i got to get over this house. I said, I just got a text from a church member that says, you know, they're, they're it looks like it's just going to be moments that they're going to die. So I text Sonia. Remember that? You remember me texting you? And I said, because sometimes you, you, when your mind's racing, you can't think like you want to think, you know. And I was driving, you know. And, and, and so I said, text me some songs about heaven. Because I was thinking, I knew this man was saved. And I thought, you know, we're probably just going to sing. So here's this man dying. I mean, he's totally incoherent. He is dying. And, and here's all these people gathered around this man who's been saved and loved God all his life, and we are able to sing and praise and worship God because we know he is about to see the face of Jesus. Worship brings healing. Save me. Heal me, O God. Thou art my praise. Where worship is happening, there is an expectation on the part of God's people. That's why we, we, when we worship, we just we feel better. It's healing. We feel better when we worship. I said that this morning. I we got finished the worship service, and I said, man, I feel better. I just feel better. When I come to College Chapel, students at 945 in, the, in, in that mid part of the morning, you know what I look forward to more than anything is when Sonia says, champion students or whoever, cha- stand up and let's worship. And I'm like, man, it's going to be good, man. I'm ready. Let's go. I mean, it's, if, I, if I'm having a little bit of a bad day, I know I'm fixing to set my course straight because we're going to worship the king. Amen? Worship brings healing. All right, now, let's transition. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. On the screen, you're going to see this verse. I want to read it to you, and then I want you to take some time and really focus on it. Mark 12, 30 says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Here's our text verse for the, for the message. You'll love him with all your heart, all thy soul, and all thy mind, and all thy strength. Now, what I want you to do I want you to focus for about 10 seconds. I want you, to, everybody, to meditate just for about 10 seconds on that verse. Look at it, meditate on that verse. All thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, and all thy strength. That's physical. That's your body strength. I realize there's a spiritual strength, but there's a physical strength too. And that's what God's speaking of here when he says, I want you to worship him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Everything you have, I want you to worship God with that. 
How's that looking in your life? How's that looking? Are you yawning during the worship service? Is, is, is it kind of one of those things like, uh, uh. I mean, just, a, just, just, just getting you to think about the difference between half-hearted worship and whole-hearted worship. All your mind, all your soul, all your heart, all your strength. When I was um, seven years ago, I had been told about the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church in Brooklyn, New York. I'd been told about this church, and uh, someone shared with me, they said, have you, ever, have you ever read the book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, by Jim Cimbala, the pastor of that church? I said, no, I never read it. So they got me a copy of that book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. Anybody ever read that book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire? Anybody in the building ever read that book? Nobody? You need to read it. I read the book, and I read about a prayer meeting. It's amazing, too, that nobody's read that. That blows me away. It's just, even my own kid, because uh, it's such a life-transforming book. It just goes to, it's, what, what pops into my head is just how we have been so sheltered from every other, every other teaching and every other preaching. It's just amazing. The book sold over a million copies, and, and we haven't, you know, none of us in here have gotten a hold of it yet. So it just goes to show you, we're going to do a better job of making sure you know the good books out there. So I read this book, and I read in the book, and you'll read it if you get it, about a Tuesday night prayer meeting. And so I get this crazy idea. I'm going to buy a ticket. This is seven years ago. And I'm going to, in a stealth way, without anybody knowing, I'm going to leave on a Monday morning, and I'm going to fly to Brooklyn. And I'm going to get out, get, get, and I've never been to New York, you know, I think maybe, maybe once with a friend, but I'd never been by myself, you know. And I'm going to get a ticket. I'm going to fly to New York. I'm going to get a taxi cab to take me to the Marriott Hotel, which was two blocks away from Brooklyn Tabernacle Church. And I'm going to go to this Tuesday night prayer meeting thing. Well, I had a friend call me, a pastor friend. And that happens often. You know, you get a lot of calls during the weekday or whatever, and you return these calls. So I had a pastor so-and-so get, you know, call back. And he called randomly about something else. But I felt led on the phone to say to him, because I knew he was a close friend that was kind of going through some of the same epiphany type things I was going through you know what is God trying to tell me and this is nothing new with me God's been working on me for a long time I just it it takes a while to deprogram your spiritual walk and so I said to this pastor in, in North Carolina I said hey man don't tell anybody this is how we would have been back then you know we would you don't you you don't want anybody to know that you're doing something you know that's not you know so I said, I'm going to the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church, and I'm flying out Monday. I'm going to their prayer meeting on Tuesday night. And this is what he, he said. I'm not joking. He said, you're kidding. He said, this Tuesday night? So he goes, I'm going too. I said, you're, what do you do? Because I'm flying to New York. and I'm, He goes, I read about that in the Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire book. And I said, you're serious? I said, this is weird, man. This is spooky. I said, well, you want to go together? He said, yeah. I said, well, look, I'm staying at the Marriott. He said, I'll change my reservations. I'll stay at the Marriott, too. So he changes his reservations. He stays at the Marriott. So we meet at the Marriott Hotel for dinner on Monday night, right? So we eat together, nice place, and then we drive, not drive, excuse me, we walk. It was two blocks away. We walk to the Brooklyn Tower. Now, when I got to the church, 
on a Tuesday night. They still have this prayer meeting every Tuesday night. When I get to the church Tuesday night, I don't know what to expect. I don't know how it works. I just know it starts at 7. And so because that was the reason why I went, I wanted to get there at 6. I heard it was packed out. I wanted to get a good seat, right? So get there at 6. And I notice that there's lines of people coming out of every door. I mean, there's like, I don't know how many doors in the front of this big theater they bought and purchased and, and remodeled. And I mean, Sonia just went to it recently. So I'm, I'm seeing all these, and I'm thinking, well, that must be, you know, just everybody's here early. I'm like, man, I'm glad I came early. You know, so I get in one of the six lines, right? I'm staying in the line, you know, and kind of going slow, you know, but it's fine. I'm, you know, I don't know how this works. I, again, I'm just totally, I'm with my buddy, you know. And we finally get inside the door, and I realize it's not a line to get, it's a line of people waiting to pray with a pastor at the front of the church. There are six pastors standing in front of the church, including Reverend Simbola, and, and the line goes, it's a massive church. I don't know how many thousands this church seats, thousands. And the line is going to the back, and, and people are getting prayed with at the altar. They share their burden, they share their heartache with one of the pastors, and they pray every Tuesday night. So I'm like, well, I'm, you know, I'm just going to get a seat. So I just get a seat, and of course, the music's playing softly. It's a spirit of worship. You can hear the prayers of God's people going up. There's, it's, a, it's a murmur. It's a murmur. You can't tell what they're saying. It's just a murmur of prayer going up on the altar. Six different pastors praying with these people. The line continues to go. It's 7 o'clock. I'm thinking, well, what's going to happen now? It's 7 o'clock. The prayer meeting's supposed to start. So Brother Simbola gets up and says, boy, busy night tonight. Lots of heartaches. Line is still all the way to the back, all six lines. He goes, we need to start our prayer meeting. He said, so why don't everybody just get a seat, and we'll continue to pray after the service. If you, if you didn't get prayed with, we'll start this again at about 830. So everybody gets a seat. The music starts playing. Brooklyn Tabernacle starts singing. And wow, I'm standing there, and I'm a little bit in shell shock, right? I mean, I've never experienced that. I mean, I'm used to open your hymn books on the first, on the last, you know. You know, I'm used to that. That's all I'm used to, period. End of story. I don't know anything else. It's always number 87 on the first, you know. Sing the last. So this guy gets up, and he doesn't say stand. He doesn't say stand. Everyone stands, except for me and this dude, right? Because he didn't say stand. And you don't stand in church until he says stand. Right? Let's all stand together, you know. Everybody stands. That happened at the Mandisa concert. It happened at Winter Jam. Nobody has to say stand. When you worship, you stand. You just, I mean, who wants to sit down and worship? I mean, you know, you want to stand. And so we all stand. And, and I, you know, we're late because we're like, oh, okay, you know. We stand up. And, and then, and then, the guy next to me raises both hands in the air. Girl, lady, excuse me lady he's like this and i'm all and then i realize oh my soul everybody is praising god everybody's worshiping the next part of the story is this without even realizing Without even really, honestly, I, for the first time in my life, all I remember is raising my arms above my head, worshiping God, and feeling tears streaming down my face. I mean, I was in a place I'd never been before, experiencing something I'd never experienced before. Can I tell you what it was? The glory was coming down. 
I'm just telling you straight up. I, I, I didn't know it then. I didn't know it then. I didn't. But I know it now. The glory of God was coming down. It was so thick in that place. It was so real that as I began to worship, I experienced something I'd never experienced before. We finished the service. Well, no, i got to tell you this. So then, <clears throat> towards the end of the service, Pastor Simbola says, listen, or actually in the worship service, he says, if you are a member of the church, I want you to be seated. If you're a visitor, stay standing. So I'm thinking, oh, man. So we stay standing. And about 150 people in this massive auditorium stayed standing, right? So I'm standing, and I'm like, you know, it's just going to be, you know, hey, who are you? where are you from, you know? None of that. Okay, now that we know who our guests are, let's all stand again. If you, are, if you are standing next to a guest, I want you to ask them for 10 prayer requests and pray with them in the aisle. So the lady next to me, right? Sir, pastor wants me to get 10 prayer requests from you and pray with you. Could I get those real quick? And so I give her 10 prayer requests. I've, I've got 10. I've got 20. <laughs> How many do you want? So she gets 10, and, she's, and, and so we make it out to the center of the aisle, and we kneel, and she begins to pray with me and 150 others. I say 150, not, not like I counted, but around that many, right? All up and down the aisles of the church. While everybody's worshiping, we're getting prayed with. Then she looks at me as we finish, and she says, about 15 minutes she prayed. And she said, sir, I'll keep these prayer requests over the next week, and I'll cry out every day on your behalf for these needs. I realized for the first time in my life, I was really in church. I, I'm just being honest. I'm not, I'm not crashing all that we've done. I mean, we've done a lot of good things. But God, if you really want to know where Erica Pacey is seven years later, it's, it's a number of things. This is one of them. And so God began to do something in my heart. I had a guy tell me as he walked out of the building this morning, he heard me tell that story. He was a staff member. He said, I remember when you got back from that, Pastor. I remember that. I remember you meeting with us and, and how you were overwhelmed and you didn't know how to express it. You didn't know how to say it. You didn't even know how to do it. You didn't know how to start it. You just said you wanted something special to happen in our church. You just were afraid that people would leave and get upset and think it was crazy. And, and so I had to pray for God's timing and I had to know that, listen, you know, this doesn't happen overnight and, and we've got to be careful. And, and, and many of you know that as we've, as we've done this, it's, 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 it has been something that God has done over time. And as God has prepared our hearts to to learn what it means to really worship God in a biblical scriptural way it's to be honest it's, it's happened as a result of those types of experiences in my life and so as I give you these four words and I'm only going to give you two today before we do that I want to grab a mic now this morning we had four testimonies five and I the one thing I'm learning is because we have morning and night service I'm not always able to repeat the people that come because not everybody can come back. We had Marion Harold, who was 93, 93, 93 years old this week, right? 93. And Marion gave this testimony, 93. And she stood here, and she's awesome, beautiful lady. And she just shared with the church. She, I said, what's it, you know, what, what, what did you grow up in? And she said, well, I grew up, you know, going to many different churches, but I grew up in a, you know, mainly in a Baptist church. But she said, one day I went to a meeting where with a lot of young people and the holy spirit came down and she said i began to long for that and when i've come to, and now that i've come to gospel she goes pastor i see what you're trying to do because i've been there i've experienced it i know what it's like to go to a church where the glory comes down or go to a meeting and she goes and i just 
I don't think we can get there quick enough, Pastor. Keep going. 93 years old. And she, am I right? You were there. And she's just, yeah, she's just like, you know, and I'm like, you go, girl, you know. I mean, when a 93-year-old is excited about worship, you know, you figure some of us young whippersnappers need to get with it, you know. And she said, I love it, Pastor. Then I had Beverly Sheets come up. Beverly had just gone to the God's Not Dead movie, and she gave a testimony in my small group. So, I, I, you know, I just, we're talking about worship. So Beverly, who's probably 70, you know, I wanted to give, start with 93, go to 70, and then I just kind of worked my way down. So Beverly comes up. She says, now I'll tell you how she gave the, 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 the testimony in my small group, because it was good this morning, but it was a little more, you know. She goes, I just want to, she's looking at all these elderly folks, because I teach a small group of, of more elderly people. She goes, I just want you to know, preacher, I went to God's Not Dead with my grandkids. And we sang that song, God's not dead. And she starts doing this. 70. God's not dead. He's surely alive. He's living on the inside. Roaring like a lion. I'm just letting her go. You were there. And she said, and I just want you to know, preacher, you know, I know there's different types of music and styles of music. She said, but we got to reach this younger generation. And I saw what God did. That movie was incredible. And my kids are singing that song. And, And she gave this illustration of her Listen to Love and her little granddaughter singing one song at the top of her lungs in the backseat of the car. And she's like, you know, I'm, and basically what she was saying is, I know I'm a little older and I won't be here much longer. But preacher, thank God for these young kids that are worshiping God to a style of music that may be different or new. But she said, I'm for it. And I'll just let Sonia come up because Sonia was next. And I'll let her give one and she can give a different one. But I wanted to, want you to hear from somebody now in, the, in her 50s. <laughs> We're kind of going down the line, different generations, but somebody that, that is, is actively involved in our worship here at Gospel Life. Yes, I am 58 years old, so I'm really closer to 60 than I am 50, but I am literally right now having the time of my life, and because music is my passion, and, and Preacher knows I've always loved our church. I've been here 22 years. I love the hymns. I lo- we went through our southern, go- we went through our shape notes. I did not like the shape notes. I endured the shape notes. But I, lo- I love the southern gospel stage. and I like it all. But I've always loved the contemporary praise and worship and always wished we could do some of it. And so now that we, over the last year and a half, too, have started implementing it along with our hymns, we'll never quit our hymns. Our hymns are here to stay. But what you see up here is not, like Pastor just said, it's not a performance. And we teach our college, those of you that are in our college worship class, it's not a performance. Hopefully what we used to call song leading, and we taught how to lead the song is now called worship leading because that's really what we should have been doing. Instead of leading a song, we should have been leading the people to worship. Pastor will think weeks and weeks ahead of time. He knows what his sermons are going to be. We start talking about the music. He texts me with songs that have blessed his heart. I text Brother Vince. I text Elijah. We start getting... Hours and hours and hours of preparation and practice because whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Don't get up here five minutes before a a service and go, what do you want to sing? I don't know, preacher. Yeah, or flipping through. Kids, you've all seen it. And, And people, you've seen the guy over at the piano flipping through a hymnal saying, what are we going to sing tonight? 
no more, ever. We talk about it. We pastor directs us we pray about it we look at the lyrics of the song and then we prepare it to lead you to worship and it's the most wonderful thing and should have been what we've been doing but i'm glad we're doing it now Amen. awesome that was kind of a good repeat of what sonia gave this morning then i had luke testify and he would have been here tonight but desiree his wife is in california at a ladies meeting with her daddy and so he needed to watch the three children and said it would be a blessing if, if, if he didn't have to come. And I said, no problem. But Luke gave a great testimony, just speaking as someone who grew up in our church and has always been here for many, many, many years and just shared how God has worked in his heart and really uh, just made worship a, a, an experience that he looks forward to, not something he endures, not something that just is a bunch of words that he's memorized and sung for the 58th time but something that he comes and experiences every, and he's, he is, he just shared in a very profound way. And then finally, I, so that was, you know, the 30-year-old. Then I had Joe come up as a young, somebody your age, somebody who is taking as a major worship at champion. So Joe, you come and share, and then I'll finish the message. Um, so y'all know me, most of the college students in here, but so most of us, we sort of grew up, and I can talk sort of more personal now. We grew up in like the latter end of a more traditional movement. I think most of us are still from that type of background. Um, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I enjoyed every minute of it. But as a young person and as, you know, like we said, contemporary styles, there's new things always coming in. And I've, you know, grown to enjoy that. And I think a lot of y'all have too. And so I'm just very thankful for the transitioning from, you know, more traditional style of worship to a more biblical style of worship. Not that the traditional style was wrong, but just the more biblical, my dad, we're teaching on it, we're, we're praying about it, like Ms. Sonia said, it's just more biblical, and it's more, more thought, more, more energy, more everything into it. So I've just been very thankful for that, because I know it's helping me grow in my worship for, for, for God. And um, like I was saying, another thing that, you know, we've been focusing on, my dad, especially with his preaching, and even throughout just, you know, hearing people speak about it, We've been focusing or sort of thinking of worship and music as, as just, you know, worship is music. And, you know, we, we worship God when we sing up here, you know, like we just did a couple minutes ago. And uh, sort of a misconception we have, I, I believe, that we think worship is just the music. And, you know, and the preaching isn't really worship at all. But worship is more than just music. And it's more than even just a style of music. We know we have praise and worship music. But it's, it's more than just a style. It's more than just music. It's life. Life is worship. All of life. Everything you do. Work anything just name it it's worship if you do it for god it's worship and you know that's something that i'm very thankful for as we've been transitioning not only has the music been transitioning and, and becoming more contemporary you know style of music but it's helped me learn how to worship 24 7 and not just in this little 15 minute segment we have here at church but through listening to my dad's preaching i worship through singing i worship through in my car by myself private worship and that's another burden on my heart is private worship and then you know, when we have our private worship, public worship is so much easier. But anyways, you know, worship has been great, and I've loved it. And uh, I'm just very thankful for my dad's, you know, letting the Holy Spirit speak to him. I'm thankful for our church and thankful for God for allowing it to happen. Amen. Awesome. Praise the Lord. So I wanted to have these testimonies along with what we've been teaching and preaching so that you could kind of get an idea that, you know, God is not just working in my heart, but I think all of us, probably most of us, could testify in our own way as to what we're experiencing, what God is doing in our hearts, all right? So 
Now what I want to do to conclude today, I got through two of these, and I'll, it's perfect timing. Let me give you two. Two words, all right? Two words. These are four words. We're going to get through two. And here's the, here's the idea. I want you to elevate your worship experience. How do we elevate our worship experience? Because you know what? What's interesting is a lot of you have asked me, how does this happen? You remember uh, Cody uh, lives with Cody. Cody. You know, Cody lives with me, and he said, what, two weeks, three weeks ago, he said, you know, man, preacher, you know, I want to learn this. Remember that? He said, how do, I, how do I do that? He's not the only one that has asked me. I've had a lot of folks. I've had some email me, just say, preacher, be patient with me. And, of course, my response is, hey, listen, don't, there's no, no problem here. You, we're, not, we're not saying, okay, do this or do that. We're saying, this is what the Bible says, and you begin to just learn and, and pray and seek the Lord about that verse. What does that verse look like in your life? Loving God with everything you've got, all right? So, number one, the first word that will elevate your worship experience is this. Understand this word, vertical. You've got to understand that word. The word vertical. The, the, just just that's, that word. It's not a statement. It's a word. Now, let's go back to Tuesday night for me, seven years ago. On that Tuesday night in New York, there was a clear difference that made all the difference to me. And that was this. That the people... At the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church sang to the Lord, not just about the Lord. They sang to the Lord. That's the clear difference. Are you with me? That's vertical. Vertical worship is to the Lord, not just about the Lord. All right? Let me give you a couple of verses. Psalm 96 verse 1 and 2 says, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. The Bible never says sing an old song. Never. I don't know where people get with this old-fashioned, old path, old this music. The Bible never says old music. It always says new music. Contemporary music is just this. It's, it means this. It means that God is still alive in the hearts of songwriters today. Fanny Crosby didn't write the last song. I love Fanny. Her name is weird. Let's face it. You know? You, you can say some things on Sunday night you can't say on Sunday mornings. I know what everybody's thinking when I say Fanny. I know what you're thinking. I'm thinking the same thing, man. Fanny Crosby. Fanny is great, <laughs> but, but she's, she's, she's not alive. Guess what? Matthias Capace is writing contemporary songs. He's a new song. It's a new song. So this idea that, you know, I just think, Pastor, we need... No, I'm all for the hymns, but there's new hymns. There's new songs. There's... And that's, God wants us never to stop singing songs that are still effective. Now, I'm going to say this. I didn't say this this morning. I, I, didn't, I, I would have if I thought about it. There's a lot of non-effective songs in that songbook. You agree? Bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the What's a sheave? I have no idea. How many vote? Let's, let's, let's not ever sing bringing in the sheaves again. All right, good. All right. Uh, and a first and a second. Approved? Okay. I mean, I'm not, a, I mean, Praise God for bringing in the sheaves, but it's not working today, okay? That's an old song, but how many are all for joyful, joyful, we adore the God of God? That one has made it, Vince. I believe that one is still, is still, and I'm not saying I'm the judge of that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, okay, God's giving me some revelation that I can approve or disapprove. No. I'm just telling you, as a leader of this church, there are a few songs in that songbook that I'm not interested in really in singing. One, because in church we're trying to sing to the Lord and a lot of those things, songs 
are, are horizontal. And, and, and I think in our song service, we don't need to sing horizontal songs. We need to sing vertical songs. I mean, we can sing, you know, we were laughing last night about the old song. We used, I like soap and I like water, amen, brother, amen. Makes me feel just like I utter, amen. I mean, <laughs> help me with that, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, that's just not a good worship song, okay? Let's sing that one in junior church. Maybe not even junior church, all right? Okay. I'm not making fun of a fun song, but I'm saying every song may have its place in our lives, but in the worship service, let's sing to the Lord. Isaiah 42, verse 10, singing to the Lord a new song over and over again. Much of what I've learned to sing was horizontal singing about the Lord, not vertical singing to the Lord. And the concern that I have with horizontal singing is that it leads us to a mistaken notion or idea that God is not present in the church. Think about it. Because when we are talking about someone and they're not there, if I'm talking about Chris and let's say I'm saying, yeah, man, Chris is a really good guy, really like Chris, he's a man, he, you know, man, he's got some great things, he's from China, his, dad, his dad's a cool guy, and I'm talking about Chris, right? And then all of a sudden Chris walks, I'm not talking gossip, I'm just talking about him, he's a cool guy, I'm talking about him, you know. And Chris walks into the room. How rude would it be for me just to keep talking about him if he walks into the room? What should I do? Chris! Hey, dude, come here. We're just talking about you, man. What are you talking about? Well, let me tell you, man. And I talk to Chris now. Why? Because Chris is where? He's in the room. Why would I talk about Chris when I can talk to Chris? If God's here, why are we singing about him? He's here. Let's sing to him. He's here. He's in this place. Sing to Jesus. Sing to him because he's in the building. He's real. And that's what I mean when I, again, when I talk about the manifest presence of, of our God. God is present in our worship. So we, what we've got to do is frame all of our language, okay? Frame our language of worship to him and not merely about him because he's present, because he is here. Great verse, Psalm 22, verse 3. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praise of Israel. Inhabitest means this. God lives among us, okay? And, 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 and we ought to sing to him because he inhabitest the praises of, of his people. Many of our hymns are sung about the Lord, that to him. The, the songs we sang this morning, joyful, joyful, to the Lord, right? That's to the Lord. Uh, how great thou art, that is a vertical song. Uh, I love... Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, all the earth shall praise thy name, and earth and sky and sea, only thou art holy. We're singing to him. That's a good vertical song. And I believe God is helping us to understand what it, what it means to worship him vertically. So number one, vertical. Number two, and we'll be done, simple. This is the last word I'll give you, simple. Simple meaning this, that we will elevate our worship experience if we will get out of this mindset that says, well, you know, those, some of those praise and worship songs just aren't deep enough. You know, how many of you have heard that? Anybody? Anybody ever heard that? I have. They're kind of criticized because they're not as theological as some of the old. And, and by the way, they are more theological. They, they usually don't have, the new songs don't usually have four verses or five verses. They're more simple. They're shorter. And they have more what? Say it. Repetition. I'll get to that next week. Because that's been criticized. 
Last God singing these seven eleven songs, you know, seven times, seven words, eleven times. <laughs> you know that that's so sacrilegious to even say that. That's spitting to me in the face of God and, and criticizing His own word. But we'll get to that next week. But simple song, you see. When I'm having a, a, a quiet, intimate moment with my with my love, my wife, I don't wax eloquent. Okay. I don't, you know, gee, honey. Your eyes sparkle like that. And our love reminds me of a... I, I just like, you know, I just tell her, I, I love you. And, and, and you are, you're awesome. And, and those intimate moments are not so much me trying to impress her with all this lofty speech. It's just sharing my heart. It's simple. It's simple. And I think in vertical worship and in elevating our worship experience, we need to get simple. Just, just, just make it simple. Think about what the Bible says will be throne room worship in Scripture. Let me give you three verses. This is throne room worship. It's simple. First of all, Isaiah 6.3 says, And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Revelation 4.11, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they, were, they are and were created. And then Revelation 5.13, throne room worship, and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and all as they're in the sea, and all that are in them heard I say, here's what it is, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Worship songs. Listen, worship songs must reflect biblical theology, but should also be a loving, personal communication of our love for Jesus. That's worship. It's simple. That'll elevate your worship experience. I'm going to give you the the next two words and the rest of the message the next time we're together and can do this, okay? Let's all bow our heads for prayer. As As we pray today and have this invitation I, I want you just to think with me for a minute about what we're learning together and what God is, is doing. And I just would challenge you tonight, if, if he is speaking to your heart about, about this idea of growing in your adoration of God's Son, then I want to invite you to come. Come, come, come. In just a moment, when we stand. Come and kneel. Bow down. And just pray. And love on Jesus a while. Just love on him. Just tell him how much you love him. Even if it's the same thing over and over again. Just tell him. And then maybe you're here tonight and you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior. Or you're looking for a church home. Or just there's a personal decision that you'd like for someone to pray with you about. Brother Chuck's going to be up front. I'll be up front. And if you need to pray with someone, then just see him or myself and just tell us, hey, this is what I need. This is what I'm coming for. Let us know what we can pray with you about, and we would love to do that. Father, bless this invitation. Speak to our hearts. May we make the decisions we need to make tonight. Thank you, God, for this service and for what you're teaching us in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we stand, everyone? Would you do that right now?
If you need to come, you come. My hope is built on nothing less. Our altars are open for you tonight if you need to come. And Jesus' blood.